on the pray father thank you for this day and for your love and your word and your truth give us wisdom and guidance lord as we navigate the waters of this life and all the hazardous storms and turbulence that we find in today's environment thank you that there is peace in the midst of the storm in you Thank you for teaching us today to grow in your word and in our relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you read with me from the front of your bulletin, Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me, And gave himself for me. Amen. Well hopefully. Some of us have reflected on last week. And uh, so we're walking a little bit. More free from condemnation. If it made a, a mark on you. An impression on you. We talked about. Five of the different ways. That condemnation tries to come at us. And how to overcome each one of them. Amen. So we are not to live life of condemnation. If we've received Christ, we are forgiven and loved and free to live for him. Amen. Amen. Romans 12, 1, 2, 1 and 2, <laughs> 12, chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Paul goes on from there, assuming that we have come to terms with the fact that we are free and that we are saved and loved and redeemed all because of the precious blood of Jesus. And he says, I appeal to you, he's talking to Christians, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, (laughs) by the mercies of God. In other words, I I beseech you, I'm really urging, I'm begging and appealing to you because of the our merciful God and our loving God, what he's done on our behalf to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable or spiritual service or worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern Or know what is the will of God. What is good and acceptable and perfect. A lot to unpack there. But we just want to know and say that Jesus. He died for us. And the least that we can do now is live for him. That's what Paul's saying here. Based on. The amazing gift we've been given in Christ. That he died for us. That we should be able to live for him. It's about a legacy. Not ours. But his. We don't want to be found in that number of Christians. And I say that with the air quotes here. Christians. Because I think the term is used very lightly, unfortunately. But 
we don't want to be in that number of Christians who try to incorporate Christ into their lives. We read the scripture that we started with. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So if it's him living in and through me, it's his life then, isn't it? I've laid down my life and now I've placed, according to Romans 12 two, he's saying, my reasonable service now to God based on what's been done for me is to live for him or allow him to live through me. The problem with a living sacrifice is it likes to keep crawling off the altar. <laughs> so there are a lot of people who have had an experience with God. They've, they've come to... Uh, the altar, they've been forgiven, they've received Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and then that was it. This is a this is a daily thing it's describing here. A living sacrifice has to stay on the altar. And so it's a it's a conscious decision each day. We have to place ourselves as we begin our day. We have to present ourselves to the Lord as that sacrifice and say, Here I am. Thank you for another night's sleep and another morning and that your love and faithfulness are trustworthy. And here I am. Do with me as you will. That's an honest, simple, profound prayer. Galatians. I guess the point... Is It's not about behavior modification, this Christian life. That's what so many see it as. When they, especially when they don't know Jesus and they don't know the Christian life, the true Christian life. They, they think of you, if you say you're a Christian, they, they start to study you then to see where your flaws are because they think that you're proclaiming now that you've, you've been... You've come to this behavior modification and you're going to be holy now and be good. And you're going to do the Ten Commandments, you know, the three that they know. And so they're going to look to you and try to be critical so that they can compare themselves to you and make sure that they're okay based on that comparison. Though the Bible says we compare ourselves amongst ourselves and those who do so are not wise. Jesus should be our only comparison <clears throat> that scripture that we started with Galatians 2.20 says I've been crucified with Christ it's no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me and the life I now live in the flesh I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me and then it goes on to say in verse 21 I do not nullify or frustrate the grace of God For if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. In other words, if I could could obtain righteousness and right standing with God by being good, then what did Jesus die for? (laughs) So I'm not going to frustrate or nullify or set aside the grace of God and then go back to trying to depend upon my good behavior uh, or works to to get to heaven. It's ridiculous to think that. He died to make us sons of God. 
And only with the Holy Spirit's help will this ever make sense to us. Jesus was the Word made flesh. And now we are to become this Word, to live it out, but not as a work of the law. Not to try to earn relationship with God. No, we are to live and work from the relationship that we are cultivating and enjoying and being empowered by to work out the salvation, not to work for our salvation. You see? Don't we we are to be not to do. And be just to be the son of God empowers us to do the things that we want to do. Not do to be. In other words, if I do this, then God will accept me. No, I, he, I'm accepted already. And so because of that love and blessing that I've already in, enjoy, I'm going to rest and work from a position of rest to do the good things that he made me to do. Amen. I'm going to turn over to the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, and I'm going to read a couple of verses to us here. Ephesians, chapter 4, I'm going to look down to the 17th verse. Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 17. Now this I say, and testify in the Lord, that... You must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. That's unbelievers. In the futility of their minds. Now he goes on to describe the condition of the world around us. They're darkened in their understanding. Alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their hearts. Everybody with me? They have been callous and have been given themselves up to sensuality. Greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that's not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self. Which belongs to the former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness And holiness. You see that? Created. This. You're to put on. That which has already been put in you. You have been created righteous. And holy. Remember God is a spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So the Spirit of God, the very mind of Christ, is in us now, in our born-again spirits, and we're to put it on. He's talking about this outer, external person that we are familiar with, this soulish realm, our personality, our mind, will, and emotions, and then this vehicle that we're riding around in, to take from that inner man, the spiritual man, and put on the new man. Created righteous and holy. 
Don't become righteous and holy. Just be who God has recreated you to be. You were you died with him on the cross and now you've been resurrected to new, new life. The life that you live now, you live by the power of God. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in us and gives life to these mortal bodies. If we ever come to believe just that scripture alone, we'll never be sick again a day in our lives. The old man before Christ is dead. And now we're only alive because he we're supernatural now. Empowered by the Holy Ghost to complete the, the will of God, the life of God that he's written for us in his book. Romans 8.29 says, For those whom he foreknew... How does God foreknow if everyone has a free will to do whatever they want? God doesn't interfere with our free will. He doesn't want robots, does He? He wants children who chose Him for Him. So how does God foreknow and predestine us? Because that would almost make it seem unfair. (laughs) If God already picked me before the foundation of the world, then why am I even doing anything? Well, let me explain to you this way. Where did God come from? When was God born? You ever heard people ask? I mean, you ever had questions like that of your own? Lord, help me here. When we look in at God through our carnal minds and our limited knowledge, we have to look at it like we look at everything. Like science looks at everything. There is, there is time, right? There is space, and there is matter. You know? A thing, object, cell, uh, molecules come together and make a solid thing. That's matter. The space in which it all is, is space. And, and then there's time. So, you go back to the beginning of the Bible, and in ten words, God answers these questions. In the beginning, there's time. God created the heavens, there's space, and the earth, there's matter. If God created all of these things, because he had to create them all at the same time, you see, because if he didn't, if he created matter without space, where would he put it? If he created space, if he created space without time, when, when did he put it? <laughs> so he, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So, just asking where did God come from, when was he born, it assumes that he's limited by the things that we're limited by. But he's not. He's outside of time. Here's time from here to here. It's already played out from the beginning to the end. All the history of the world is already done. It's already written in his book. But he did let it play out. In his mind... He's just not limited by it. He's not in it. 
He created it. So he already knows those who chose him or are choosing him, depending if you're in time or outside of it. And so he predestined you because you chose him. So he, he foreknew you, he saw you, and he saw the time when you were going to choose him for him, and he was going to take you in and make you his own. And he predestined and you to be conformed to the image of his son, Jesus Christ, in order that Jesus might be the firstborn among many brethren. See, God, just like, just like our garden, we go take a little tomato seed. If we want more tomatoes, we plant it. Let it die, and then the life that's in it springs forth, and it creates many more tomatoes with many more seeds, right? <clears throat> Here we are, stranded in time and space and matter as we know it, and I can tell you how many seeds are in an apple. If you give me some time, cut it up and count them up. But only God can tell us how many apples are in a seed. Second Corinthians 3.18 says, And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. The idea in that scripture is... Is, is like looking at the glory of the Lord that is within us. And we see the glory of the Lord within us through our union with Jesus Christ. Our outer selves, as we continue to behold this inner man, this new man, this spiritual being, by looking into the mirror of the Word and the help of the Holy Ghost, and we begin to see ourselves as God sees us, Christ in us, the hope of glory, then our outer selves will begin to reflect that glory for everyone else to see. Praise God. Y'all good? See, but, but most Christians envision God's glory as being way out there in heaven. They see the, the, the gigantic old man with the lightning bolt sitting on his throne in heaven in his glory there and hopefully one day we'll we'll be there and we will and we will see him and we will be with him but as long as we see him so far away and so distant then we won't experience the transformation that comes by beholding the glory that is within us already The Greek word that they use there for changed or, let's see, where's the scripture? We say beholding, transformed. Some versions say transformed, some say changed. But that Greek word that they use there is the same, is called metamorpho. It's, it's, it's the same one that we use for metamorphosis or transformed. You see that in Romans uh, chapter 12, verse 2 that we started with. 
And, and it's the word that we get in English and we use for metamorphosis, for speaking about a complete transformation, like when a caterpillar becomes a butterfly. And that's what's happening with us. As we turn our, our hearts away from the condemnation that comes from the law that we did away with last week, remember, that Jesus actually did away with on the cross. And we behold the righteousness that is within us through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Then our outer selves will be transformed little by little to reflect that inner glory and that Christ within us as we become more and more like him. We become what we behold or what we focus on. What we magnify or esteem highly. If we look upon the sins of our outer selves, then we'll be enslaved to those sins. You know, people don't don't lose bad behavior by focusing on the bad behavior. It really just it, it gets more empowered. Not that you don't ever have to acknowledge a wrong thing. Don't get me wrong. But just by focusing on that and trying in a legalistic way to fix things, you, you see people, they go on these diets and they go off. And they, and they do this and they go out. They stop smoking, they start again. They stop drinking, they start again. <clears throat> but if we behold the glory of the Lord within us, then we'll begin to reflect the glory in our actions. As we behold the glory of the Lord and we read this as a mirror proclaiming who we are now, who is Christ in us. And we stop reading this like a book that's judging us and telling us how bad we are. And we start reading it from the perspective of we're the author. We're we are Christ and we're just learning who we are through the book. We'll begin to radiate and we begin to believe this. And the promises that God has put in there for us, we believe that and esteem that more highly than we esteem and, 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 and exalt the things of this world and what the news says and what, the, what the, the bank says and what the doctor says and what all the negative naysayers say. Instead, we believe what God says and we begin to reflect His glory in our lives and our actions. We're becoming more and more like our Lord and Savior. Proverbs 23, 7. Remember, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So, however we see ourselves, that's the way that our life is really going to go. <clears throat> when people steal your dreams and they, and they, they just don't, you don't find encouragement. You don't find acceptance you don't find anything positive coming from people just turn it off turn it off find out what god says about you magnify that if your dreams are godly dreams then don't let anything interfere with them don't listen to what anyone says if you stand in faith believing for those things they will come to pass if God put that dream there, then it's going to come to pass if you don't waver or doubt. James says that if you do doubt, don't expect to get anything because you're, 
double-minded. And it's like a spiritual tug-of-war, remember? Doubt and unbelief against your faith, and you go back and forth and never seem to get the results that we want. But constantly focusing our attention on failure will actually cause failure. But focusing on Christ in us will produce a lifestyle like that of Christ. That's just the truth. The phrase from glory to glory in that, in that scripture is talking about being changed from the glory of the old covenant to the glory of the new covenant. It said that the old covenant was glorious to some degree, but it didn't have the power to do to change you. It just had a power to really point out the things that were wrong with you. Now, the grace of God has appeared and it provides. It does provide. It doesn't just accuse like the law did. The grace provides all the things that the law wanted you to be and showed you that God was, but couldn't cause you to be. But now the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ living in us empowers us to be all that God created us to be. (coughs) From the old to the new. The new covenant is so much better than the old that you can't even compare the two, really. So now from law or legalism, performance-based relationship with God or trying to live for God, we've changed that to a life of grace and acceptance, rest, allowing Him, Jesus, to live through us. And it produces the results we were after. Paul gave us a prayer to pray in Ephesians. Just turn back We were just there, but uh, the first chapter, starting at the 17th verse, Ephesians 1, verse 17, I think, yep. Paul prayed this, the 16th verse, I I don't cease to give thanks for you and remembering you in my prayers. And here's what he prayed, starting the 17th verse of chapter 1 of Ephesians, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, May give you, insert your name right there, the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Having the eyes of your heart enlightened so that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. And what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. He wants you to know who you really are in God's eyes now and what you really have now that you have Jesus. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe or in us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named. Not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Paul didn't pray that 
God would do this for us or give us this thing or that thing or protect us from anything that might hurt us. He he said, all you need to know, I want God to show you what you already have in him. I want you to get revelation, knowledge and wisdom regarding the things that he has done inside of you that you can't discern with your natural senses. You have to. Believe it by faith and learn about it through this word and let this Holy Spirit help you and ask him to help you to understand, give you revelation, knowledge and wisdom that you might walk in this power and authority and victory over all things that the devil throws at you in this life. John seventeen twenty two, when Jesus was praying on that last faithful night. He was praying to the Father and he says, I have given them, talking about the disciples and now us, I have given them the glory that you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. That we all might come together in love through the the bond and the fellowship of the Spirit of God. We have to live his life, not ours. But it's not done by Effort, it's, it's just allowing, allowing that which is already in us to, to work it out, work out this salvation that he has placed in us, this mind of Christ, this life of Christ in us that wants so desperately to live. He died for us at a young age so that he might come now and live through us. So what's our legacy going to be? A lot of people are going to hell. And we, everyone sitting here, has the, the words of life. The gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the power of God unto salvation for all of those who would believe. And, you know, the harvest field is ripe. You know, there's a lot. There are people hurting and And dying all around us. We just need to get that confidence. That we are here as ambassadors of Christ. And that we have the words of life. That will help them. And we have to believe it. I have the feeling and the impression. From Christians all over the world. That they just. They're just. They just want to do their Christian life and be left alone and let other people do what they want to do. And that sounds good. But if we really believe that there's only one way to God and that's through the Son and, and that we wouldn't find it so okay for those who don't have Him to not tell them at least how much He loves them and that He died for them too. Amen? 2 Corinthians 4.4, remember, it teaches us that the God of this age, and that's a little g, that's not our true God, that's the God of this world, that's the devil. He has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they can't see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. I have a lot more to cover, but I think uh, I think I think we're good.
I think we're good. Father, thank you for this word today, for your truth, for showing us again how much you love us and the truth that we already have everything that we need inside of us. We just need to draw from the well of life that you've placed in us, the life of Christ, the mind of Christ, this life of righteousness and peace and joy. Thank you, Father, that you have placed inside of us all of the peace, love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness, and gentleness, self-control that we're ever going to need. We are prosperous and healthy. No weapon formed against us will prosper. And every tongue rising up against us in judgment, we shall condemn. Knowing that you are with us. You are for us. There are more for us than against us. We're going to magnify and esteem the spiritual truths of this life. Knowing that you have assigned angels to encamp round about us. To help us and to protect us. And to lead us and guide us through this life. And we have you Holy Spirit. And we thank you. In Jesus name. Amen.